What's up, world? I got a question for you. What is it that makes coffee so damn good? Maybe it's that caffeine and dopamine hit you get after pounding a pot or two. Or perhaps it's that feeling of connection that you get when you sit down with another person to work on yourselves in the process of recovery. Maybe it's the fact that you can take something so bitter and turn it into something so delicious. Whatever it is, we in the recovery community love our coffee. And why not? Coffee is fuel. Coffee is love. Coffee is life. That's what makes Brainwash Coffee the perfect partner for the Other Side of Hell podcast. Not only is every flavor of Brainwash Coffee mastered and handcrafted by obsessive minds who won't stop until they've gotten it just right, but 50% of all proceeds go back into the recovery community to help those who may still be suffering, which makes Brainwash Coffee a no-brainer. My personal favorite is Ego Ain't Your Amigo, a nice blend of Ethiopian and Guatemalan bean with a hint of citrus, dried fruit, and caramel flavor makes it a delicious blend for any time of day. Right now, you can go to brainwashedcoffeeco.com and use promo code OTHERSIDE for 20% off your coffee purchase. Brainwashed Coffee, clean your bean. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. And we're back. We are in the studio today. Uh, back again. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Because you're so happy. Oh, it's been a, it's been a. You're happy to be here. A wonderful morning. Yeah, our schedules were kind of like we're figuring out our schedule for the summer. Mm. Adulting. Yeah, we got to like, figure out how we're gonna keep doing this show. Yeah, a Just, lot of a lot of adult things happening. Yeah, dude. Um, you ready for this? Yeah, my wife's pregnant. Nice. Having a baby, dude. Yeah. You like that? Yes. Okay. I think the world needs good fathers, man. You're Everything's ready. Everything's gonna be okay. Yeah, you're ready. Everything's gonna be okay. You're ready. If I can, if I can handle three, you can handle one. Dude, I'm just glad that I have like people like you that I can be like Willie. What the fuck do I do? I mean, I can't. Just, yeah, it ain't that big of a deal. They'll you be know right. what I mean? They bounce. <laughs> <laughs> Their bones are soft. Let's just let's let's have this same conversation in front of my wife. All right. Okay. Yeah. 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 I love talking about babies, uh, and I love I love that like there's a whole community around like families, and it's it's it reminds me of solidarity. Yeah. Solidarity. Yeah. I appreciate the way you segued into that very <laughs> roughly. <laughs> I tried to. Because that's our topic. Yeah, no, and that's our topic, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, I, I, I had to get the baby thing out there. I just want to put that out there. Let everybody congratulations, know. man. But here's the thing: is like, um, these are the things I get to celebrate with the people in my life. Yeah, and the people in my life also have, we have common goals. Like, I've made it a point to 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 only have these people in my life. Yeah. Um, because I need these people, mm -hmm. and 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 I like to think that they need me. Um, because we have that common goal and we are unified in solidarity. Yeah. That's a proper segue. Yes. Very well said. And we got it from, you know, Martin's war story who, mm -hmm. you know, I, I'm wearing a sleeveless shirt because as you guys will soon see, he also is wearing a sleeveless shirt. You're inspired. And yeah, we have a lot of commonalities. Oh you know? boy. We, I would we say. find that so much in these stories and, Martin gave a great take on, on his addiction and recovery. And, uh, you know, so, so coming out of that, you know, we wanted to talk about the unity, the, the commonalities, the, the, the way that we unify together and grow together and do this stuff together through solidarity, mm -hmm. the common drive towards sobriety, the common goal to achieve a life worth living, right? Yeah. Build a life that I'm not willing to give up. Yeah. Well, and, and dude, when I listened to, uh, to Martin's story, I felt like I was hearing you with a British accent, right? Nice. Cause, cause, cause Martin's from across the pond. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and 
and and, and so Martin talks a little bit like this, you know. He's, <laughs> he's got a little bit of an accent. He likes to talk about, you know, the things that happened to him growing up. And and he grew up <laughs> in his own version of the projects, right? Right. But, like, it, I mean, it was amazing to me because even though, like, he had that different upbringing and he had that different, you know, um, environment around him, it still, I mean, there was still something about the way that he talked about his story the way that he talked about recovery now and his journey in sobriety that just totally reminded me of you. Ah. And I was like, dude, this guy is Willie's doppelganger. It. You know, I'll take it. Yeah. And I so a lot of respect for that guy, which, which is cool, which, which I mean, again, like makes me think that, you know, like this is, this is why we have this great topic is that, you know, we, we, we come together with this common goal, mm-hmm. no matter who we are, what walk of life we're from, or where we're at in the world, you know, we we do. We get to celebrate this mission that we have together and we get to support one another. And right. it's just super, super cool to be reminded of that through stories like Martin's. Yeah. And and I'm glad that you like let's talk about that a little. What do you, what would you say the common goal is? Like, to to live. <laughs> that's what I would Yeah. That's what I would say too. Like mm-hmm. it seems like like we grow off of that. Like there's, there's a bunch of different branches that grow off of that main line, but you know, to live, that's the common goal. You know, like we got to a place where we definitely weren't living anymore. You know, we're slowly dying. It wasn't happening nearly fast enough. Right. And so a lot of times we try to take it into our own hands and like, fuck, let's, let's get this death show on the fucking road, man. I'm tired of being miserable and lost. And Mm. so I agree with you. I think the common goal is life. And then once, once we've decided that we want to live, you know, cause this is what happened to me the last time I was in jail, that spark that I've talked about on the, on the, on the podcast so many times, you know, this craving for life yeah. happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, and once that happened and I knew that I couldn't continue in the path of, of addiction through substance abuse, um, what now? Right mm-hmm. now, what? Right, because it seems so common. It seems so easy to just say, "I want to live." Right. It's like it's like when when somebody asks you how you fe- how you feeling. I'm fine. I'm good. You want to die? No. You sure? You kind of act like you want to fucking die, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So so then we start building a life off of that, right? And and for us, fortunately, and it's happening more and more now on the, on that I'm seeing on the online community is that. There is a movement of people moving in that same direction, right? And so we're getting to hear people's stories and hear how how the program and process of recovery is happening for other people. And and for me, I needed that solidarity. I needed other people in my life that I could come around and, and like observe them building a life in recovery so that I could kind of know what it looked like, right? And then start building new goals off of the main goal of wanting to live. Mm-hmm. Not just be alive, but live. Well, and yeah, I mean, it, it, I think that that's the starting point. And yeah. Then, and then we get to decide, well, okay, like what, what kind of life do I want to live? Yeah. You know, and I think that that was the great thing about recovery for me is it opened my eyes to the possibilities. Like there was a lot of things that I was wrong about. A lot of things I was wrong mm. about. I was wrong about being a victim. I was wrong about the way that the world worked. I was wrong about, you know, the things that were happening to me. Um, and I was wrong about the things that I was capable of. It's one yeah. of the things that I was pretty certain of is that I was never going to get sober. Right. You know, and so having that footing and realizing, okay, you know, I can do this sort of one day at a time. And then, you know, getting some confidence in that was like, okay, well, what do I want? Like, what kind of life do I want? Like, I know what I don't want. And I had that example for a very yeah. long time. Like, I knew that uh, that I couldn't keep living the way that I was living. I knew in my case, you know, I knew that I was miserable with the job that I had. Um, and I knew that, uh, that there were some relationships in my life that weren't healthy or weren't serving me. And so it was like, okay, well, what, what do I want? Like, what do I need to do? Like, what do I want to do for a living? Like, yeah. if that's not, if, if, if I don't want to be doing the job that I am now, then what do I want to do? And, you know, I think for a long time, like I had this idea of what I wanted to do, but it was just so unbelievable or, or not possible. Out of reach. Yeah, exactly. Like I just 
couldn't fathom it actually being, you know, realistic. Um, and really, it's because I wasn't willing to do the work. Mm. You know, I, I, it just seemed, it just seemed too impossible, and I had this sense of entitlement. You know, yeah. and that was something that I, I was able to figure out through some, through recovery, through recovery process. Um, and then, you know, once I was able to see, like, okay, like, yeah, my, my thinking about that is probably not accurate and that it probably is possible and that I can make steps towards that goal one day at a time and, you know, and have the life that I want. And so now at this stage of the game, you know, like I can look at my life and say, okay, like I've very intentionally put this life together and it's pretty good, you yeah. know? Um, and, uh, and, you know, like I've done that through this process of looking at others and being built up by others and helping the people around me as well and, and, um, and making it happen. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love that you said intentionally built this life. Like it's so, it's so, it's such a big deal. And I forget, you know, I don't know about you, but I'll forget that I intentionally built this life. Like there was, there was a time that. I could just sit back and like just dream about having the life that I have now, like having the the opinion of myself that I have now, because the, the self hatred was so deep at one time, and and to even just to to think about having the life that I have now seems so far out of reach. Mm -hmm. It's just like there's, I just need to get sober and live in a trailer, live in a camper, and that's probably enough. But it grows and, and, and things like that, you know. And so I, I would like to get the actual definition of solidarity since that's our topic, mm. you know. Like yeah, maybe sure. maybe Maybe Jordan over there behind the camera can. We'll have to wake him up, I think. Can look up the word solidarity. Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it is a unique word. I think we've flirted with a couple of ideas mm -hmm. uh, for a topic, but we landed on solidarity. And I think there's yeah. a very specific reason for that. Yeah. What do you got, Jordan? Um, so I have unity or agreement of feeling or action, especially among individuals with a common interest, mutual support within a group. Boom. And, and that's exactly what we have on yeah. this platform, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This common interest to live and to build a life worth living to build a life that I'm not willing to give up to go back to the life that I used to have. Right. And, and Martin says it in his story, you know, and it's, it's a great, it's a, such a great statement. You know, mm. the cost of your new life is your old life. Right. If you want anything new in your life, you have to give up your old life. And, and being around a group of people that are doing that, you know, that are doing the hard things to make the decisions to change their lives from the internal structure you know, being around those types of people helps me to do those things, helps me to do the hard things, helps me to take a hard look, helps me to move past whatever, you know, I'm, I'm from a 12 step recovery process where I started at step one and, and having somebody help me with that and let's go into meetings and listening to people talk about step one, helped me identify my step one, moving into step two. I had somebody helping me with that. You know, we had a common goal in yeah. helping the still suffering addict and alcoholic. Remind people what step one and two are. Step one is we admitted we we're alcoholic or drug addict. We, we had admitted that we had a problem and that our lives had become unmanageable. Mm -hmm. Step two is came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. And, and, you know, and the steps go on and on with each step that I took. I needed somebody else in the beginning to guide me through that. Yeah. You know, I really needed help with that. You know, I couldn't do this stuff alone. And I loved what Martin was talking about. And, and I, I will we'll let him share a story, but there was some stuff in there that I could identify with, with the resistance, like wanting the outcome without no. doing the work, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like I want what you have and I appreciate, you know, I, I show up to this place. Thanks for having the doors open for me. Mm -hmm. Thanks for having the coffee on the table for mm -hmm. me. Thanks for having this whole room, you know, surrounding me. Thank you for the suggestion, but <laughs> yeah, I know I got my hand raised for help, but yeah. Uh, well, and we've talked about it on this show before. The yeah buts, the yeah buts. Like, I, I can definitely, you know, still get in this like this mode of the yeah but. You know, it's like, well, yeah, I do, I do want that. <laughs> I definitely do want that thing that I'm after. And then I'll be told exactly what it takes to get it. And it's like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. well, yeah, I get that. But 
<laughs> let me try my own way, yeah. you know? And that was, that was the thinking that got me in trouble, you know, like yeah. is, is, is always like, let me try my own way. Well, it wasn't until, you know, I, I got dragged across the bottom for long enough that I was like willing to just completely surrender yeah. and say, okay, I, 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 I'm, you know, there's no more. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. It's just, yes. Mm -hmm. Whatever you suggest, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the, the cool thing about it is, is that we start gaining a relationship with ourselves. And, and the ultimate goal for us kind of starts to change and it kind of starts to broaden, right? You know, at least that's the way it was for me. And I start to hear that it changed for other people as well. You know, like, like for me, it went from wanting to live to, to wanting to, or, or wanting to be alive mm -hmm. to wanting to live to wanting to have a life worth living, right? To, to understanding that having a life worth living is having a life where I know myself well. And sure. doing this process, I'm able to get to learn how to know myself well, good and bad, and change the bad and expand on the good, and then share that with other people so that hopefully they can hear how it went from that same desire to want to be alive, mm -hmm. to want to live, to want to have a life worth living, you know, in the, in the process and being around other people and hearing what they want inspires me to want to continue on this and, and being around other people that are new reminds me what it was like when all I wanted was to be alive, Yeah, you know? And, and so the, the whole thing is like this beautiful garden of like, just like diversity and, and different stages of this thing, you know, from the guy with 24 hours to the guy with 24 years or whatever, you know, we all like come together in this thing, this beautiful dance of recovery and just grow off of each other and feed each other in such an amazing way. And I get so much out of it. I'm so, I'm so grateful to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful example. Like I really like the idea of, of, you know, being in, in, in a garden where everything's thriving, everything's growing, um, you know, and, and to be a part of that process, like, you know, I, somebody will fertilize my soil, I'll yeah. fertilize somebody else's soil. Um, and, and the important part is, is that, you know, along, along for a long time, I wasn't a part of anybody's garden. <laughs> you know, just, no. I was the pile of shit. Yeah. You're the weed. Yeah, exactly. Fucking strangling the beauty out of yeah, everything. Yeah. And really just ciphering off of everybody else's, you know, positivity. Yeah. And, and I had that negative impact, but but now, you know, like I don't have to live that way anymore. And it's because of the, the people around me and the people within this community that showed me what it was like and what can mm -hmm. happen and gave me the hope that I was really able to say, okay, like it turns out I'm, I'm wrong about this too. Like yeah. there is something better and there is something easier and it's worth going after. Yeah. And, 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 you know, to your point, when you were talking earlier about being wrong about stuff, it reminded me just now that you know i was wrong about what i thought would make me happy oh sure you know i was completely fucking off on it you know i thought you know for a long time i thought that that the result was going to make me happy mm. and now i'm learning that it's the process that creates the joy you know mm. it's the the showing up and being part of the solution by showing up and doing the work that because I can, I can go back to, to all the marathons that I've ran, you know, these, these hard, um, these hard set goals that I've had in my life. And, and one of them in particular was the first Spartan that I ran and, and I trained really hard for the Spartan and I was really nervous to do it and I did it and I got done with it and I fell in what's called a goal hole. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I got done with it and I felt great for a time. And then I went into a really bad depression. <laughs> I was yeah. fucked. It sucked. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, what ended up happening was I thought that by completing a Spartan, I would be done with something. I would be fulfilled to a point where like, okay, now I'm something. Right. Yeah, but I didn't necessarily know what. And the, the fortunate part of that is that I learned that that will happen if I don't continue in the process and, and like, okay, just cause I finished that part doesn't mean I'm done. It means that I've passed that checkpoint and I have to continue to grow. And, and other people help me with that. Right. Like Avery's a great one. Like putting up with my shit mm. is fucking huge. Yeah. I love hearing, <laughs> I love hearing your stories about like 
no, nah, Avery called me on this, so I don't, <laughs> I don't do this anymore. Yeah, or my kids, or your kids. Like, oh, they they called me on my on this food, and so I don't, fucking, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, watching me fucking eat, Dad. Maybe you should stop eating at like six thirty. It's so funny to me. Yeah, who's is this? Whose rapper is this? Yeah, gotta be honest. It's great though, you know, and and, and I have solidarity within my home. Yeah, you know, because of it. I well, want this stuff in every area of my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, me too. And 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 I, you know, like in 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 hearing that and hearing you talk about it, like I think about, you know, the the journey that I've had with my wife. And and it's it's funny because like some of the most cliches are the most true. You know, <laughs> like they say, life is not about the destination; it's about the journey. You right. Know? And it's like. Fuck you. I've heard that a thousand million times, you know. Fuck you. But also, like, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. so, so it, <laughs> I just love the fact that, yeah. you know, like some of that stuff is just, it's true whether you like it or not. You yeah. Know? Like, I wouldn't put it on a t shirt, but fuck if it's true, you know, like, and, and, and that's what my life has showed me. Like, there's been so many times where, you know, like, I'll have this end goal in mind. And I'll go after it and I'll get it. And it's just like, well, now what? Yeah. You know? And, um, and so, well, I've got to keep doing something. I yeah. have to keep doing something or else I'm just going to be miserable. You yeah. Know? So set a new goal, like go after a new goal or, or whatever the case is, because it's all about the process to get there. Yeah. Continue to so. dial. Continue. It's good that you said that. I appreciate you saying that because I think that it's, it's, it's something that I need to hear. And again, like this is the stuff, this is the reason why, you know, like we, we have that solidarity is like, you're going to say something that inspires me and you, and you often do like, regardless of, you know, how much I might bust your chops on this show or, or the, the shit that we give each other. But you know, like you, you're, you're a great tool in my recovery, you know, Aww. you and a lot of people, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just so grateful to have that. I mean, and that's, and that's the thing. And I, I think that I really, I, I love this sometimes. I love the positive energy, the, uh, the love, the abundance of, of community and that comes from, that has all stemmed from a drug and alcohol problem, <laughs> death. Yeah. You know, like it, it's amazing to me, like, holy fuck. Like here I am, you know, seven, six, seven years ago. It's kind of blurry for me. Um, <clears throat> you know, snorting fucking Oxycontin, you know, taking shots, smoking weed, drinking beers, pretending. Like, yeah. 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 You know, and who would have thought on that day, like if you would have told me that, that, you know, when that was my daily, <laughs> that was my daily dude. I know that this is what you're doing now, but like seven years from now, because of this, because of what you're doing right now, seven years from now, you're going to have a community of help and support around you that you you will never fucking right. believe. It's like, huh? I don't even want that. Yeah, you don't. That's what I would have said. Oh at that yeah, time. well yeah, sure. I don't yeah. even. I, I'm fine. I would have been like, fuck you, and then drag across the bottom a little bit more. Right. And then get to a point where we're ready to ask. Okay, somebody help me. And so they go, okay, if you want help, you do this. Yeah, fucking yeah. yeah. We go back yeah, to, I mean, to I the beginning that. stages yeah. of, of growth, right? But mm -hmm. that's, that's where the seeds start. I think there's resistance in all things that seem scary and difficult and new and uncertain. There's, there's always a little bit of resistance. But if you just, if you pass through that, right, like addiction recovery, like I, I forget that I know addiction recovery, mm. right? Like I'll forget that. I have a voice in this platform because I went through the hard shit that it takes to get long-term sobriety and setting goals to the point where on a daily basis, I get to expand on those goals and I get to continue in this lifestyle. And so like taking suggestion in the very beginning of like, don't forget to breathe, show up at a meeting, mm. ask for help, take step one, do the suggestions. Like, being willing to do those things put me in a position to where I get to know this stuff and share this stuff 
hopefully in a way that you can understand that you can get through a fucking craving. I promise you, you can get through a craving. Yeah. But if you do not get through your craving, you will live in the obsession. And once you're in the obsession, you're fucked. That's my story. When I'm in the obsession, I'm fucked. And it takes so much more to get out of the obsession than it does the craving. The craving's going to pass. And I learned that through being around a bunch of people that could tell me their stories and I could identify with the way that they felt and the things that they were going through so that I could like label them in my own experience throughout my life and be like, Hey, that guy's talking about the time that he fucking got out of jail and decided to go to his buddy's house and just to, to go visit. Yeah. To hang out. You know, this, I like my friends. Yeah. I, I, I still owe them. It's not like just cause they're, they're my friends. I don't love them, which is, there's some truth to that, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having a craving and you fucking know that it's a craving and a desire to go. Hopefully that that'll be the excuse that you can use to feed the demon inside the monster. That's going to fucking take you back down. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I know that place, mm-hmm. right? That, I have a craving. I go see a buddy. I know that they got drugs and alcohol. I'm just going to go say hi. It's really cunning. It's not like I'm fucking uh, thinking this process consciously. It's happening as I go through it. And I get there. And then, well, the plate's getting passed around. Mm, I probably won't get you ate for another 30 days. Mm-hmm. Today's probably fine. And then I fucking do a line. And now I did a line. I might as well drink. And then I'm off to the fucking races again. That's the process that happens. And I can go to a place where another person is telling that story. I can identify with it. And they go, but this time. Yeah. This last time I got out of jail, I had that same craving and I didn't go to that place. This time I made a different decision. I got through the craving and I didn't go back to the obsession. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's so important that you be in a place where you can hear that. I was that guy. Yeah. yeah. So are you. So are the people that are listening. Mm-hmm. You know, both sides of that. Yeah. yeah. I've been the guy that had the craving. I've been the guy that got through it. Yeah. Well, and I've been the guy that's told the story and I've been the guy that heard the story. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I needed to be both those people. Yeah. And... and and, you know, like sometimes it's, it's hard to be the guy telling the story. Oh, it's hard to be the guy living the fucking story. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, I remember obviously living the story, but man, like it, Jesus, I don't know. I, I mean, I am grateful to have all these people around me that I, I, I can sound this stuff off of, that I can yeah. bounce this stuff off of. And, and, um, it just reminds me, you know, how, how far I've come because I can really forget. Yeah. You know, I can forget pretty damn quick just how how bad it was. And and when I when I am able to be in a community with people where there is new people coming in and out, I can see like, whoa, like I remember what it was like. I'm gonna go talk to that dude because I remember how awkward it was. Like I didn't know shit about fuck when I first got here, you know. <laughs> shit about fuck. <laughs> And now, you know, like it's my opportunity for, 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 to say to this dude, Hey man, I, I know how you feel. And, 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 uh, and I just want you to know, like, if I can do it, you can do it. And, and this is a little bit of how I did it, Yeah, you know? And, uh, and I, I need that. I need to be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. We got to give it back. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, I mean, another part of this whole thing is once we get through it, like we've seen, so many times what it, what happens is, you know, a, a person will come in, you know, especially in a 12 step setting, you know, I know not everybody gets sober in 12 step, but, um, that's where most of my experience comes from is a 12 step setting. So I'll work with a guy. We'll do all 12 steps, right? Well, we'll do all 11 steps. We'll get to the 12th suggestion, which is having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, the previous 11, We try to carry this message to alcoholics and practice these principles that we've learned in all of our affairs. And what will happen all too often is that a lot of people will stop Mm. before going and helping another person. They'll feel unqualified because they don't have a year or whatever, you know, and that's what ends up taking them back out is we don't give this stuff away. It's so necessary that we find a way to give this away. And I've seen people do it successfully in different settings. Like one of the things that my wife does is, is, is 
she begins by helping people with their fitness. She's a trainer. And so she'll begin with that. And what will come out of that is like the mental aspect of it. Yeah. Right. That's a huge part. And then, um, it turns out like there's somebody in that person's life that's dealing with addiction or that person in particular is dealing with some type of addiction. And then she's able to kind of move in the recovery of, from addiction process through the beginning stages of fitness. Right. Mm -hmm. And to me that qualifies, Sure, you know, if you're helping another person progress in some positive way, right. That qualifies that counts. The idea is that we share our experiences. So if I have more experience in, in fitness or, recovery or diet or nutrition or whatever the case is like if i have that information and that knowledge and the other person does not mm -hmm. and they ask me for help then why why wouldn't i right you know like that's uh, that's what i need from other people so you know like if i'm going to expect that from others then i need to be willing to to give it away as well yeah cuz i was the guy asking for help at one time well and and it you know i it goes without saying that when i am teaching somebody else i i understand it better you learn yeah exactly yeah. so yes. so there there is value that comes from being that you know that teacher mm -hmm. and so it's it's uh it's uh, all a part of the process and again it's all a part of, uh, of what I have learned being in this community with the brothers and sisters in recovery. And, uh, man, I almost thought I was going to say church, like <laughs> brothers and sisters, the church. Well, that there's definitely some solidarity there too, you know, yeah. common goal, that common well, and, place. You know that, I mean, you know, like, let's just say that, like we we're not inclusive to, to solidarity, you know, like here in the recovery community, no. like we're talking about that because that's our solidarity. That's where we that's get solidarity, yeah. you know, but, but I think that the idea is that it's important that everybody finds it somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And most, most people do, right. Most mm -hmm. people do, they will. And like just giving this stuff away and learning from each other. I, I, I love this stuff, dude. And I, I feel like this could, I could go on and on about because I'm getting, I'm, I'm thinking of all these examples of how important it is to share, share and move forward. Like, you know, one of them is like, could you imagine if nobody ever taught somebody else how to lay brick? Like, mm. <laughs> there'd be no fucking buildings. Like, no, like, you'd have to figure it all out on your own. Yeah, that you one know? guy would have would have been <laughs> really, really good at it. Would have died. And, yeah, you know, and it's the same thing with the recovery movement and sharing your stories and and like. I think this is a great topic and I'm so grateful that we got it from Martin. And I think right now would be a great time for you guys to start getting your heads wrapped around the reason why I'm wearing a shirt with no sleeves, which is Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Our war story. Yeah. Martin was great, man. Like he, uh, there, there was a lot about his story. Like I said, that just really, it reminded me of you and, um, uh, I take it as a compliment. Like I have the highest respect for, for this sure. Guy. Yeah. Fuck. Like this I, dude is so cool. Yeah. Like I, I, well, I hope that you take it as a compliment because I look up to you and it just made me think that, you know, like Martin's got a lot of wisdom. Like, yeah. Um, and, and so I, I'm excited for, for everybody to hear it. Cause I think that he's, he's yeah, his delivery is so, is so on point and, and entertaining and fun. Like, um, so, I mean, we talked a little bit about it, but, but he can tell his story obviously better than either one of us. And so what do you say? Just roll sure. into it. So we're going to introduce you to Martin. Uh, without further ado, here's Martin's war story. Hello, my name is Martin and I am an alcoholic. Uh, my story started in Manchester, England. I was raised on a council estate, which is the English version of the projects or the barrios. It's government housing for low-income families. And I was raised by a single mother. My father left when I was two for undisclosed reasons, let's say. And he came back into my life when I was a teenager. So I was brought up in this area of full of criminals. The electric would go out in the house. There'd be no food. Single mother smoking weed, having criminals in the house. And I grew up in this environment. Obviously, I was affected by it and I was going to... These are the people I looked up to, my mother's friends, these criminals, etc. And it influenced me a lot. 
in how I became as a young man. 11 years old, I stole some weed, some marijuana from my mother's box. She smoked weed and I smoked it at 11 years old. That was the start of my journey with drinking drugs. And it went marijuana at 11, cigarettes at 12, alcohol at 13, amphetamines at 14, cocaine 15. And then I went on to ecstasy and stuff like that about 16, 17. And so basically, you know, I don't even have any memories before. <laughs> my earliest memories are drinking and using. And that's how I created my whole reality, my whole persona. Everything was connected to it. And it was up until recent, to, until, I stay, until I stopped that life. And um, I look back at it and, you know, it was, I didn't stand a chance. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was obligated to go down that path. There was no other way that I was going when I was raised in that environment. And a big thing for us as adults is that I'm not to blame for my childhood and my trauma, but as an adult, I'm fully responsible for the healing of it. And I understand that now and I've taken that on because it, it was so easy to be a victim and to blame everything and everyone after that, when I look back at how I was raised, right? And now I've took control and I see it as a strength where I was raised. Anyway, I started getting into a lot of trouble, obviously, when you're like that. I was in a, a fatherless home, a mother who couldn't control me. I'm getting into so much trouble. And, uh, you know, I took like a fake black metal gun into school and robbed another kid and they kicked me out of school and my mom grounded me. And I was climbing out the window, getting drunk at 13. It was just, it was horrendous. And uh, so the, she had to remove me. And I, I got, she said, you can't be here anymore in Manchester. And, and she sent me to live with my dad at that time when I was 13. I finished schooling and kind of chilled out a little bit. I came back to Manchester when I was 16, 17. And in that point, I'd been in Manchester. It was a really rough neighborhood I was in. I was just a skinny little white kid. And, um, you know, I was picked on a lot. I got robbed on the street between the age of 11 to 18, maybe 20 times. And um, as, I, as I was becoming a man and I was sick of being a victim then at that point, I took a box in and as an auto-defense mechanism, I started becoming a perpetrator. I understood that if to become a perpetrator was a form of protection, that then they would leave me alone because I was the same as them and I was no longer a victim. And I started participating in that kind of activity and just being an absolute maniac, basically. We drink drugs and just hedonism, violence, petty crime, all this stuff. And... Uh, yeah, it was, it was madness. So when I hit 19, I made a little list of all the things I wanted to achieve in my life. And the number one priority was travel the world. And this was exactly in line with my pleasure seeking, my hedonism. If you could imagine a perfect life for an alcoholic drug addict, just go traveling the world, keep running away, no responsibility, no career, like just, just chasing that next high through location, through everything. And, and I dedicated my whole life to... Pleasure seeking to hedonism. And I left England when I was 19. I got fired from every job I ever had up till then until I started working the casino, which was the only job that I enjoyed and allowed me to turn up drunk because it was the entertainment industry. I turn up drunk and on drugs and, and the customers are happy. Woo! Place your best, please. It's the only job I could hold down because of that reasons. And so anyway, after that, I literally just dedicated the following years, maybe 15 years, to pure hedonism, pure escapism, just moving around the world, running away from myself. I would escape myself, create a new persona in a new place, and then I would catch myself up, cause a complete mess. Violence, crime, mess, and then I would have to leave again as people started finding out what I was like. And uh, I arrived here in the Dominican Republic. Now it's 10 years ago, I'm 37 now, I arrived here 10 years ago. I'd been off the back of a year and a half in Thailand, no job, everything. And anyway, I got here and I realized everything was out of control and I needed to make a change. And so I went into a recovery program, a 12-step recovery program, eight years ago now. And that was part of the beginning of my trying to get out of this and my self-development. I tried so many ways to stop drinking before that. Self-hypnosis CDs, kickboxing camp, a meditation retreat. But like every way you could name, I'd tried it and been unsuccessful in all of them. And I got to AA, pardon me, <laughs> to also recovery program. And um, it was so funny because one thing I had solid concrete evidence of was I didn't know how to stop drinking. Yeah, I arrived in this room and they said, oh, here's a solution. And I said, no, nah, I'm not going to try it that way. <laughs> and it was so ridiculous because I came and said, please, can you help me? I don't know how to do it. And they said, yeah, yeah, we can help you. Here it is. Nah, no, I'm not going to do that. And it was just so ridiculous. So I spent about a year and a half doing that, of just not following the program, doing it my own way. I literally picked up a white chip every week 
for the first year and a half. But I kept coming back. I knew I needed to stop, but I just couldn't. I'd be crying my eyes out saying, why can't I just be a normal person? Not willing to do the work, but why can't I just be normal? <laughs> and uh, so after a year and a half, I had my first intervention and I was sat down and, you know, they just said to me, hey, there might be another way to get sober. Maybe there is, but you're choosing this way. And if you're going to choose this way, then you need to do it this way. Like, you've got to do these things. And it really hit home to me. And I said, man, you're right, you know. And I, I left that intervention. And for the first time in my life, I went onto my knees. I went into the bathroom, the classic bathroom knee prayer. I went onto my knees and prayed and genuinely asked for help and said, you know, I don't know what the, this power is. I don't believe in God at all at that time. And I just said I genuinely need help. And, and I asked for it. And be careful what you wish for, because... Within a week of making that prayer and asking for help, suddenly I had this strength that I never had before and I agreed to do, to live in a recovery house for 90 days and do 90 meetings in 90 days and not see my girlfriend for 90 days and just be locked down. And I went, when I got into the house and I sat there and I said, how the hell did this happen? Why, why did I agree to all this? But it was amazing because what I understood then is this thing about a higher power. I tried to do it on my own and I genuinely didn't have the necessary energy, strength, willpower, whatever it was, to do the things necessary. And as soon as I asked outside of my help, outside of myself for that help and said, please help me to do it, suddenly I had the strength to do it, to go through the steps and have a sponsor and do my step five and all this stuff. And uh, it was just amazing to witness. It was a real pivotal point of asking for help and then seeing what followed after that. And it was the first time I got sober. I got a year and a half sober, but... To be honest, I didn't change that much. I was still that same person. I was still being dishonest. I was still engaging in all these these behaviors. And I thought that I could still live that way. I didn't, I, did, I wanted to live that way. You know, I, I wanted to be around the drug dealers and the criminals. This is the only life I ever knew. What, what am I gonna do? It's, since 11 years old, that has been my people, my surroundings. That's what I'm comfortable with. And now you take it away from me and I'm completely lost. So I'm sober, I'm sat there and I'm saying, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it kept me relapsing for a long time because a really powerful saying I heard is the price for your new life is your old one. And I would go into this new life and I'd want to keep my old one and I'd want all those old friends and I'd be in, I'd be in my birthday party sober and they'd be passing the plate of cocaine around and I'd take it and say, no, I don't do that anymore and pass it on and believe that I could stay sober and clean in these circumstances. And I couldn't, obviously. I kept going out. Um, but I just couldn't give up that, that, that old life and I couldn't successfully create the new one. I, I went out every single New Year's Eve ever when I was sober until five, six o'clock in the morning because that's the only life I ever knew. And, um, you know, eight years now in, in this program and the last New Year's is the first New Year's when I stayed at home and I went to bed at 10 a.m. And I woke up in the morning and did exercise and, and create this new life. And this has been probably the single most pivotal thing now in the successful advancement of my sobriety and this personality change is dedicating a plan a strategy a formula a vision of what is my sober life going to be like when when we come into a recovery program or when we finish drinking we we're eliminating a whole life a whole ego and it needs to be decimated flattened killed and gotten rid of which is why it's so difficult and, and on the base of that ruin <laughs> We now have an opportunity at a second chance in life and we're genuinely blessed with a second chance in life and we need to sit down or I need to and look at what am I going to do with this? I'm now blessed with a second chance in life and I can be whoever I want to be and it just starts with that vision of the character construction of who is the person that I now wish to be? What what are the motives that are going to drive me? You know, How do I want other people to perceive me? What is my morals and core values going to be? And then create a daily plan of action to stick to that and create that person. And this is what I'm doing this time. Um, and it's just been completely life-changing because where I'm sat today, this person talking to you now is the person I wanted to be when I used drink and drugs. This is why I use drink and drugs, to be this person sat here. And I've found today in recovery, in sobriety, in my program, exactly what I was looking for in drink and drugs. And that is... You see me here, you you can see my energy, the confidence I'm holding. None of this is fake. This has been earned now through all that work with the 12 steps of healing that past trauma, clearing up that karmic debt, 
creating a new slate and then creating this person I wish to be. And yeah, it's just, it's been earned and this confidence, et cetera, that I have is, is exactly what I wanted. I just wanted to feel comfortable. I just wanted that social anxiety to go away when I was, when I was drinking and using. It never went away. I had a ball in the pit of my stomach all day, every day, and I was scared of everything and I was terrified in social situations and my hands would be shaking and I needed to drink to get rid of that feeling. There was a feeling of impending doom because I was always doing something bad and immoral. And so obviously I felt that way because my conscience was weighing down on me. And for it not to be that way today is just one of the biggest blessings I could ever hope for. You, If you look at the promises in a in a 12-step program, it says the fear of people will be removed. And to me, that is the biggest blessing out of all of it because it's one of the biggest reasons that I drink drank was fear of people. I would go into a social interaction with my best friend, just me and that one person, and I would be terrified. And, and if they came close and looked in my eyes, my heart would start racing, my hands would start shaking, and I would just feel awkward and out of place and less than. And drink took that feeling away, and that's why I did it, because... I'd always feel that way and then it would always take it away and it was a solution. And what I didn't fully understand was that my solution was the problem, that because I drank and because I did that to myself, that's why I was that way without it. Like they say in, in, in one of the books that we can't differentiate the true from the false. And what happened to me is that I lived such a fantasy while I was drinking and using and I had this mask on, this, this fake personality of who I thought you wanted to see the happy-go-lucky guy, confident, funny, joking, who never had any problems. And I hid all that vulnerability and all that insecurity and I never let anybody see it. And, um, and because it was such a contrast between the fantasy and my normal life, that it, it exasperated my normal life and it made me feel less than because I felt more than with the drunk, drinking drugs. That when you took that away the next day, I couldn't compare to that drunk fake persona and so it just drove me down further and further and felt made me feel worse and worse and worse making alcohol and drugs more and more effective <laughs> that I just uh, I just needed it just to feel normal now it didn't even have a great effect at the end it just took away that feeling of being a piece of crap and then um, all of that leading to the way I feel today and what I found today I just wish that I could give this feeling to anybody who's suffering from those ailments that I've just described, because if they could see what's on the other side of completing those 12 steps, of healing that past trauma, of clearing up the karmic debt and doing this kind of programming that we do, and if they could just experience this for a moment, then they would stop and they'd understand that the work is worth it, that you're worth the work, the trademark of the other side of hell. And here we are on the other side of hell, absolutely being worth the work and I've created the worth that we continue doing the work and, Life today is just amazing for me. It's, it's really unreal where I've come and when I look back and I just keep comparing to what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. And every day is an absolute blessing. I'll just touch on this, that one of the reasons I spent so long in the program without uh, completing it is because it just, I could bear so much pain that it, it, I couldn't hit that bottom. They kept saying to me, he needs to hit the bottom. And then um, the last time I went out, the bottom was real that, I, I caused personally so much damage to my, my psyche, my personality, my surroundings, to the people around me. And I genuinely did a lot of bad things, immoral, illegal, all this stuff that created real life consequences. And as I'm looking at these consequences and figuring out what's the solution to them, how do I face them, running away my number one solution all the time, ignoring them, that's the best solution ever. And um and killing myself was on that list and it started to rise further up the list as the problems became bigger and bigger and it's absolutely a progressive disease and the more I went out and the more I drank the bigger the consequences I created were and the last time the consequences were so great that I and I, had, I was so weak emotionally and spiritually that I couldn't face them that checking out and killing myself went to the top of the list and for the first time I researched how to do it I bought the things to do it and I drove to the location to do it destroyed spiritually emotionally mentally and just wanted the pain to stop and I went and I went to do it and it was real and I was going to do it and I, and I, I you know they say that you, you don't really want to do it but I just don't see any other way out and um obviously I didn't I didn't go through with it there's a 
there's a documentary on the Golden Gate Bridge suicide people and a guy jumps off and they interview him afterwards and say, what did what went through your head as you jumped off? Did your life flash before your eyes? And he said, no, the only thing I could think of was nobody is ever going to know that I didn't want to do this, that I didn't want to kill myself. And it, and it hit me so hard thinking about that because of course I didn't want to do it, but I was going to do it. And it only takes, it would have only taken two minutes of a strong chemically enhanced negative emotion for me to do it. You know, I was going to say these super strong narcotic sleeping pills, turn on the car and just go to sleep. It was like super easy, nice, peaceful way to go. And I would have solved all my problems and just created a million problems for everyone around me uh, who I'd left behind. But um, it just got me thinking that all those people who, who do stuff like that, it's so dangerous because whether you want to or not, it just takes two seconds of a, this supercharged emotion. And then you go, oh, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> and, you know, I'm gone. And it's just so scary when you put it into perspective. So when I woke up the next day, the gravity of my situation came to light and I realized how deep I was in trouble. And, my, you know, my girlfriend at the time, she's still my girlfriend, she was, uh, she was talking to me and she looked at me and she said, mine, where are you? Where have you gone? You know, this, who is this person? Who is this thing here that's just given up on life? There's no fight. There's no light. You've completely given up. And it's like she touched me. And that, that old Martin, the me that sat here, she got through to him. And a little seed at the back of my head said, wow, you're right. I've just given up. How, what, how have I given up? How has it come to this? Where's the fight? And I actually got a little bit angry. And I said, I have to fight. I have to fight. I've got to fight against this demon that's got control of me and it's going to kill me. And it, and it became so clear how life-threatening and precarious my situation was and that massive action was needed. And that day, I went to a, a recovery meeting and I did 180 meetings in 180 days. During that time, I set up and founded with two other people the, the Zoom Dominican Republic group online and just took massive action like I'd never taken before, smashed through the steps. And I just kept that feeling of that demon controlling me and my life about to end and that massive emotional you know, driving factor of having a second chance at life. And I just used it as fuel and I went into massive action and, uh, and I surrendered and did what was necessary. A, a big point of this is every time I had an intervention, every time I tried recovery, there was a fight. It was suggested to me to do all these things and I would say, yes, but, yes, but. And I would always have a disclaimer. There would always be something I wasn't comfortable with doing. And when this happened to me, I went and sat down with my father and I said to him, the answer is yes. <laughs> I don't care what you tell me to do. If you tell me to go and live in a sober house for two years, the answer is already yeah. I already agreed to it and I'm going to do anything you say. I don't care what it is. This is the end. And I understand now for me and my journey, that was the only way it was ever going to work. You know, I feel like you have to be in this new life, in this recovery to the exact level that you're into the old one. And if you were as bad as I was, where it was an everyday completely possessed demonic kind of thing that propelled me every single day to use that's how much i need to be in this recovery life it has to be the same level if you drink four beers on a saturday night and you want to stop the action you take will be in comparison with that and it won't be that difficult if you are a low bottom crazy maniac alcoholic drug addict who's been like that since a young age the action you take is going to need to be in line with that and um and as I propel forward, I'm continuing to do it. And that's what drives me today, that I understand every little action I take is driving me into the new life that I'm creating or back into the old one. And, you know, now when I have, I have a very strict program today with a wake-up time, morning readings, meditation, uh, positive talk, uh, burpees. I run a burpee session in the morning. My nutrition, my programming, all these things that I now see as the support to my new life. And, um, and I put the importance on each of them that every single thing is me stepping to the new life or the old one. And if it was to miss one of them, I play the tape through and it ain't just pressing the snooze button. That's the old me taking control. And that is going to end up with me two years down the line, killing myself, killing someone else, going to prison. Um, so yeah, the message through all of this, whatever, you know, however bad it got for me, Somehow I, I was able to keep it and that there is a solution. There is a way out. And if you're going through anything like I just described or any sort of struggles and problems, there is a solution. And it just starts with admitting there's a problem, 
reaching out for help and then taking the action. And if I could, if I could give you a taste of this life I live today and let you understand how good it is on the other side, you would do it in a heartbeat because it's real. I would say as well, I, I have an Instagram account. The handle is at random guy getting fit. And I'm putting my message out there on a lot. And I'm super open. If, if anyone does relate to my story that's listening, please reach out to me. I really love to connect with people and to help as many people as I can. And I'm sure you will help me as well. Um, I also have moved into uh, online coaching now, which I'm offering a service on. And it really connects with a lot of people who have stopped drinking and drugging and haven't created that new life yet. And this was the missing piece of the puzzle for me to create the new life of programming, fitness, nutrition. This was the missing piece of the puzzle. And this is now what I'm helping people do who did have those kind of problems and have now stopped the final pieces to create that new life that's going to give us longevity and keep us in recovery and sobriety because this is the better life as we do that. That's it. Beautiful. Much love to everybody. Much respect. Yes. How about that? Thank you, Martin. Yeah, that Ran- was great. Random guy getting fit. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, he's not so random anymore. Like, I think he's, he's, he's kind of a big deal. <laughs> At least I, in my circles. Yeah, I agree, dude. I could, I could, I could listen to him talk for hours. Like not only because of the accent, but just he, he, that dude's got a lot of wisdom. Yeah, man. and his energy is just—it's—it's it's on point. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so grateful now to be where he's at. Like, yeah, he's one of those guys. I'd be curious yeah. too to hear if anybody else agrees with me as far as him sounding like <laughs> like the British version of Willie. Yeah. But yeah, man, like I, 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 I really, what I, what really made me say that was the part of his story where he talked about, you know, having a clear vision for himself. Yeah. And, and I know that that's your thing. And I know that it, it, it was your thing long before he came into your world. So there's something that, that about that particular statement and it being such a big part of his program and his recovery and he's so far away he you know has such a different upbringing and yet it is such a big part of his recovery as it is yours and i'm mm-hmm. just like dude this guy is like they're there i mean they're they're like one in the same and yet they're so far apart and far yeah. removed and so it just i don't know like um uh, there was a lot of his story that i really really enjoyed but that particular that particular part really was like dude this guy is this guy is willie incarnate <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, and I mean, just growing up, like starting at such a young age is, is definitely something that I can identify with by, you know, doing, doing heavy drugs by the time you're 16 years old and just becoming part of that criminal world. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, he was, he was at a place where he could, you know, travel the world to try to get away from himself, but he couldn't, Yeah, you know, no matter where we go, there we are. Yeah. And geographic. Those yeah. geographic moves. And, and it's so convincing, you know, it is so convincing that if I just move out of this apartment or get out of this relationship or move to a different town or start over at this place, or mm-hmm. get, you know, and some of those things may be true and some of those things may help. Like if he didn't end up in the Dominican Republic, who knows? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that, that may have been the place that he needed to end up. It, it may have happened if he stayed in Europe. You know, like, I don't know. We, we'll never know. But. More often than not, what happens is, you know, and we've heard it on other people's stories, they, they move with the intention of getting away from their problem, their, their selves, and they find themselves with themselves doing mm-hmm. the same thing they've always done. Yep. yep. Right. And like, I, I just love his take on like his yeah, buts, like his, his willingness to uh, ask for help. Oh, I need help. <laughs> help me. Okay, do this. Nah. No, you're right. <laughs> Fuck all that. <laughs> I think that was my story for a long time. Yeah. In fact, the first time I went to treatment, that was definitely my thinking was like, mm, yeah, I get, I'm going to take some of what you say. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my own thing with it. Yeah. And By I, the way, I'll be back. <laughs> I, I would do like partial truths on shit. Like, you know, I, I remember... The first time I worked the steps outside of treatment, like I didn't fucking put everything in my four step and it's no wonder I didn't fucking stay sober. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like I did it, Mm -hmm. but there were some things that I wasn't ready to talk about. There were things. So, so what you're saying is there were things that you knew about and you intentionally left them. Yeah. I thought I could get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when they said be vigorously honest. 
I was um, vigorously kind of honest. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be half honest. Yeah, yeah, and, and hope that it would work, you know, or, or jump through the steps in whatever order I wanted. Like, get. A, I, I think I think today's a good day for me to apologize to my brother. <laughs> yeah, without with it, no backing. Yeah, yeah. nothing you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever the case is, but I could totally identify and relate with the, the, you know, I want help, but not what you're offering. Right. You know? And then he, mm-hmm. he talks about, you know, like if there might be other ways to recovery, but this is how we do it here. So maybe you should try what we're offering you here. Like maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the thing is, is that what, obviously we had to get to this point where we, where it was evidently clear that what we were doing wasn't working. Yeah. You know, and I know that that's, that's where I was, was just, okay. Yep. Yep. I got to do what, what, what you're saying. And that's what he talked about too, was I'm just going to say yes. Like that ultimate surrender where it's like, you just, you've, you've clearly seen that these, yeah, butts aren't helping you. And that these parts that that um, of your own program that you're trying to inject in in these suggestions that people are giving you are in fact detouring you mm-hmm. and you are not making any progress and at that point you know in my case I had to completely just say okay tell me what to do and I will do it right and that's what he talked about as well yeah. like okay yes whatever it is I don't even know what it is yes I will do whatever it is you tell me mm-hmm. to do yeah, because it's it's so it's so draining the cycle of relapse. It's so spiritually draining when we come in, we're set and determined psychologically for the moment. We're like, okay, I'm so fucking done, and we think that that's our bottom, and find ourselves fucking pounding on the bar again, mm-hmm. right? Like we've talked about before, in another relapse, all the way to the point where, like, we're in we're 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 in the recovery arena. Right. This is part of my story is in the recovery arena, which means I was going to st- going to meetings. I was hanging out with sober people. I was listening to a sober message, but I wasn't staying sober. Right. Like I couldn't get 30 days put together. And that cycle of relapse is so, so psychologically and emotionally draining mm. that we become unhappy in, quote unquote, recovery. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. To the point where like he fucking planned the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. Right, planned it out. This is where I'm going. This is how I'm doing it, and and we go with the intention of ending it all. And he mm-hmm. said it perfectly. Like I don't want to do this, but I don't know what else to do. Yeah, yeah. That's. I mean, yeah. I I've been there. Yeah, you know? I've been there. Where it's just like, man, it it just seems like the the easiest alternative. And and I don't know. I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm really grateful, and I think, unfortunately, that there that it doesn't work out that way for a lot of people. And I know that there's people listening who have been, you know, really affected and impacted by people who have taken their own lives. And, and, you know, I'm just super grateful that, that people like Martin, you know, changed their mind or, or, or had a a different way of looking at things Yeah. um, as have I, you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and if you can hold the course, Mm -hmm. be willing to do, what is asked, then you become an example like Martin is, who now is highly qualified to help other people change their lives through his experience. Mm-hmm. Right. So whatever it is, you know, if, if you got something out of his story, whatever it is that you're looking for, whether it's it, whether it's spiritual help, right. Because, um, he does have a meditation thing that he does, whether it's uh, sobriety help, which he's obviously qualified to yeah. walk you through the process of, of 12 steps the way that he was, whether it's fitness and nutrition, which he mentioned he's a coach now. He like, and we found that that like more often than not, the commonality in sobriety are those few things, right? The spiritual, physical, mental aspect of the entire package. Like right. Once you get those three things kind of, those three cylinders firing at the same time, 
like fulfillment seems to come. Yeah, for me, that like it, it, one does not happen without the other. Yeah, like it, it's got to be all three, and 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 sometimes you know it's it's a it's a balancing act as far as like okay, well I'm I'm doing well spiritually, but physically I'm not doing well, or you know just trying to figure out what column needs more attention and right. at, at what time, you know. And, and sometimes, you know, that can be really challenging. And that's why it's good, again, that we have people that, that we can turn to and, 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 you know, say, hey, this is what I'm dealing with. What do you suggest? Mm-hmm. And be willing to take those suggestions today. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the, the yeah buts will still get me. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, <laughs> luckily it's not, like, it's yeah. not like it was, you know. Yeah. I, can, I can honestly say that that I recognize pretty quickly when I'm yeah, butting. Yeah. Um, but it's still there. It's still, you know, it's still that natural inclination. I want to have control. I don't want to let go, you know, and, uh, and it's only through that surrender and, um, and that willingness that we're able to grow. Yeah. And having people in your life that can see it or help you get through it, having that solidarity Mm -hmm. is huge for that growth. You know, and it's huge for for that peace of mind, which I think is what we're all looking for anyway. A little bit of serenity and, and, you know, just want to feel safe. Dude, well said. I mean, I really feel like in the end, like, you know, that's that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. It's just a little peace of mind, a little, <clears throat> a little, a little serenity. I just want to be okay with, with how things are. Yeah. Well, thank you, Martin. Yeah. For sure, bro. You know. Thank you for sure. Yeah, that was great, man. Much, Thank you. Much respect and, and uh, finally finally getting it out there. So, yeah. yeah. Well, Cameron, congratulations good, good on shit. the baby, bro. Thank you, and man. Like, we're we're let's, excited. Let's keep, let's keep uh, our, our fantastic audience posted on how that's going and, and updated on... How little Craig's yeah, doing? Yeah, so far, so far, <laughs> Craig the fetus is well. We're taking bets on uh, on uh, whether it's a girl or a boy, and I don't think we're gonna yeah. find out. Maybe, maybe if you listen to this episode and and you you have a a gift for guessing, let us know. What what what's Cameron gonna have? What what's Brianna going? to We'll have? take a poll. Yeah, we should. That'd be fun. I feel like son. Really? Yeah. I keep, I keep saying, I keep, I keep using the he verb and, and Brianna keeps saying she, so definitely going to be a human, uh, as long as it's healthy, honestly. Yeah. You know, so congratulations. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks for coming out. Jordan. Thanks thanks to everybody. Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for all you do. Yeah. Maybe I don't say it often enough. Thanks for looking up there. When I do, maybe I'm sarcastic, but I actually mean it this time. Thanks. Yeah. So, Rylan, as always, thank you, buddy. Thanks for doing the live earlier. Cameron, I love you. Great episode. I want to hug feel, you. Feel give good. me a hug. I need a hug today. Thanks, man. I needed that. You're welcome. And with that, we'll see you on the other side. You are worth the work. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.